welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today, we're under quarantine! (laughs) Also, we're covering uh, The Fly 1956, 1958-1956. Nope. I'm Mer, and I'm Jonathan, and this is a special episode that we're doing because we're doing it completely remotely. So we're all in three separate areas. So please excuse the sound quality for a little bit, but it's not completely terrible. So you'll be fine. Yeah, we are currently in lockdown in California. These guys are in California. I'm in my remote underground bunker in Singapore. Same. Uh, I'm ruining him, <laughs> digging a tunnel. Well, that sounds terrifying. So- You're in Singapore. Uh, I'm just messing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we are in lockdown right now, so we are not allowed to meet up and be within six feet of each other. So here we are just trying to make the best of it. The 1956 one is really reminiscent. You know what it reminded me of? What? Reminded me of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was... It was similar in style, like all of the 40s through to the late 50s all had that same horror movie style. It's over the top, it's melodramatic, and it's really entertaining even to watch it now. Yeah, they did a good job of building up the story. I liked how it, how it like, uh, what's the work term for it? It, um, like, it played the end of the story before everything else. Yeah, it showed you the the end result and then how they got to that point, which was him basically telling his wife to kill him or like end his life because he's been fused with the fly at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will yeah. say it actually from from being a a fan of 1950s horror movies, uh, seeing this movie, it stems a lot off from the tropes. It like does not go to the cliches that you're used to. Cause if it was just a cliche movie, right. He'd be running around trying to kill everybody. This one, it's, it's really subtle and it takes its time. And it's kind of like, it's a very good warning for us with the uh, scientific, scientific advancements. It was kind of like a, it's really romanticized kind of in this movie. Well, it's like a tragedy in both cases. It is a tragedy, but the main character, he's very like, uh, hopeful and like excited for the rest of humanity after his discovery. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's, it definitely paints him as like the idealistic scientist sort of inventor sort of I thing that it's like, going with. I feel like they did that with the 1958 film for sure. But I feel like the 86 version with Jeff Goldblum, he was kind of like overconfident and, was very convinced that he knew what he was talking about, even when they were trying to tell him, I think something might be wrong, and he hadn't started transforming yet. So yeah. I feel like those, the way they portrayed the doctor in both, or the scientist in both those, was different. And yeah, ex- probably, in, probably in a better way. Um, they both are pretty close to the original story, but they're very much made for the time that they were released in. 
So the 58 version, do we want to go over some just some general specs on the info we have? Yeah, so the the original one, 1958, was directed and produced by Kurt Newman. He was known for all of the Tarzan films in the late 40s, and he did several other movies from the 40s and 50s, mostly doing like uh, action and thriller kind of movies. Um, and so he actually died five weeks after The Fly was released, and so he never knew how much of a success the movie was. Damn. Yeah, and it's it made like a crazy amount of money. I mean, the budget was listed at three hundred twenty-five thousand to four hundred ninety-five thousand, and that was in nineteen fifty-eight. And it made three million in nineteen fifty-eight. So adjusted for inflation, the budget was about three million, and they made twenty-six million. They so made their money back. They, <laughs> it's such a huge success that it fueled like 15 films after it for the company that released it which i believe was rko ah uh, yeah that's when you have like the return of the fly which yep. uh like picks up with his son and here's here's the, the problem with the fly uh series in general the 50s version a lot of the people who think of like cheesy 1950s movie they always refer to the return of the fly because it's in black and white and it has like a worse character a worse <laughs> costume and it's in black and white rather than in color so everyone thinks that's the original fly but really this fly is superior in many ways simply because it has good writing a good direction and it doesn't waste your time uh, I agree. yeah that's true it uses up every bit of its time and doesn't really lead you on something you don't need to know i uh, feel like the fly like the fly hunting bit could have been cut and really <laughs> relatively nothing would have changed but i guess there's something poetic to be said about you know i mean i don't know this movie could have like a metaphorical take on it like what happens if we stray too far into reliance on technology voila another fear from the 50s well then, yeah they know, were they were put, put us in yet. trouble <laughs> Uh, are you talking about when he tells his wife that he has to find the fly in order to possibly like fix himself? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. He wants the white-headed fly. Yeah, in this exactly. One. Um, I and I don't know. I don't know if that's just like it's like a hopeless endeavor trying to find a fly in the world. Right? Uh, right. Yeah, I I felt like that's what they were trying to get at with, um, him trying to figure out what went wrong and then to find the fly and then to be stuck in a uh, spider's web by the end of it it was all like pretty depressing <laughs> it's it is very dark near the end like right it starts off with the murder of the husband and it ends off with the murder of the husband two different yeah. forms of him so it's pretty intense but right. do we want to go over the characters a little bit yeah maybe? so i mean it was it starred vincent price so it had vincent price and um, it had also David Hedson, who wasn't really all that well known when this movie came out, but they kind of took a chance on him and they were trying to give the role to someone else during that time period. And it also had Patricia Owens as the, as the wife, but people most notably remember Vincent Price because he's been in so many films since that movie. I think Vincent Price really fucking steals the show in this. Yeah. He was my favorite part well, he of was, this yeah. movie. He was a well-established actor at that point and was well-known for being in horror and thriller films. So he, it was like right up his alley. Dude, yeah, he killed it, knocked it out of the park. I love how everyone in this town is French and has a really nice French accent. 
Francois. <laughs> well, they did a clever thing. They moved it from France to Canada, a place where they still speak French. Right. <laughs> and so it still worked out for them. They were like in Quebec, I think. And uh, the story still played out with French characters and everything. So nice accents. I agree. And then, um, so, so like, go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. You're good. Oh, sorry. So the producer director kurt newman he discovered the short story that it's based off of in playboy magazine which i thought was really weird mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're just no reading... I, whoever we were talking about that <laughs> <laughs> just like, like you're just reading like... playboy in whatever year 1950 something and there's just the fly in there the short story yeah i've got i've got a real story potential here runs up with playboy magazine the guy's yeah. like uh, uh, phil i don't know if you've got <laughs> And this couldn't have been many years into them making Playboy, so it was kind of like, wait, what? Like, do you have the right magazine? Kurt, I don't know what you're doing. Mr. Newman, I think you should calm down. No, this guy's got something here. My, <laughs> I love that, though. I love the thought of them coming into their board meeting to be like, all right, here's the idea, and he just flops <laughs> down a Playboy magazine on the table. <laughs> yes. And Boss, they're... gotta check this out. I've already seen this issue. Leave me alone. Right? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Why are you bringing it in? That's funny. Um, one of my other favorite pieces of the production that I was reading about was that the fly costume that they used in the original 1958 was a 20 pound fly's head, which the actor said was trying to act in it was like trying to play the piano with boxing gloves on. That sounds ridiculous. Just. It's so heavy to have on top of your head and for him to try to move around and act in it probably was really uh, awkward and clunky. Holy shit. You can't even tell. He has such swift movement. Right. Yeah. So it's like good for him for figuring out his way through it. Uh, Jeff Goldblum even says something similar where he had to sit for hours for his makeup. Yeah. That makeup's fucking heavy. <laughs> Dude, and then uh, Vince... it's crazy. Well, I mean, it's well worth the award that they got for it, too. There was, like, seven different stages that they used for the makeup, and then they used puppets as well towards the end when he's completely, like, been changed into the fly. Yeah. No, the seven forms were super good. I mean, like you said, it made them win the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. It's just, they're, I mean, it's David Cronenberg, you know? Right. Style. Well, he's like known to be like almost the originator of body horror and film. And if not the original creator, then the person who used it the most. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why there's a Cronenberg style as a thing. Yeah. You know, exactly. just like, oh, that, that creature looks very Cronenberg esque. <laughs> What's really cool is the guy who did uh, the um, special effects for Gremlins was the guy who did the special effects for the 1986 version. Um, it was uh, Chris Wallace. Shit. Yeah, so that was that was cool to see, and I'm sure he was proud to get the award after that too. Fuck, man. Yeah, I mean, I I know that they they spent a long time. I mean, it's it's the proof is in the pudding, as they say. <laughs> it still holds I mean, up you pretty look well. At these visual effects. I mean, you have ears falling off, people ripping out whole fingernails, uh, the puke. That turns into acid. <laughs> it's it very xenomorph. I mean, the whole scene with him—he melts the fist, yeah, and then melts the leg and whatnot—is oh probably God. of that 
I don't remember the name of that character, but it's just it's so good. Just ah, uh, I mean, the even fucking the, scream. The, yeah. <laughs> did the machine mean, sound like it was screaming every time it activated to anyone? Yes, yes, it did. It, it totally was... does. Like in the first one, it really sounds like someone's screaming when they do that. I Dude, mean, I, the machine, the teleportation I was noise. So annoyed with that. <laughs> yeah, just, like, it sounded so brutal. Loud. They like, made goddamn. a very specific choice <gasps> in the Foley art. <laughs> just, you know, like, I don't know, man, it was funny. No, was I, t- I totally know what you're talking about, and that was that was something that distracted me while I was watching it. The Foley that they used for the original one in 1958 was really odd. I felt like they just had someone off to the side and like, what do you think this would sound like? And then, and then they brought in the noise, and it just didn't match up sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, what are they supposed to do? Like, this was a weird machine that we still don't have today. So they were like, "What would it sound like?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it, it ended up being interesting. There's there's another funny thing from the production. Vincent Price recalls that when they were filming the the scene where they have the little fly on the spider web, that they they played a recording of the little voice that like says, "Help me, help me!" And apparently, they just would all start laughing and had to do like twenty takes of that to not laugh during that scene. Oh my god, that's like a super dramatic scene though, because yeah. you, you as the audience, you're like, "Help the motherfucker!" Yeah, exactly. Um, the. The 1950s version is super poetic, though, in the amount of vocabulary that they use and how they use it to describe certain things. Uh, it's super fucking 50s, though, man. Like, Oh, totally. Uh, obviously. I mean, like, I think what killed it and sealed the deal for me that I was just like, oh, yeah, this is a 50s movie. I totally forgot. Was when they're like, yeah, my, my mom's hysterical, but, you know, women. Right. I was just like, oh. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, was it was like, pretty bad. Right. That's quite 50s of them. Yeah, it's it. Well, what was interesting to me was it seems like in both films the the lead uh, female character in both of them was kind of used more for the scientist's character development and didn't really like stand all on their own as a character. So it was kind of weird to watch both that one and then watch the new one and also see sort of the same thing happening. They're definitely not final girls. <laughs> well technically i mean no. well, yeah technically well, yes and no yes and no because they they survive all the way to the end but they weren't exactly like being hunted by this monster that's not like yeah. they're being chased by a slasher <laughs> no they're not being chased by a slasher it's definitely not right uh, he just kind of i mean i like how both films incorporate a big sliding metal door <laughs> it, they both do it what, what exactly got, are you referring the, to you got the, the, the big, the big, the big fucking metal door that separates the lab from the rest of the world. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Both okay. movies do it. <laughs> I didn't even. Oh yeah, they do. I didn't even think about that, but that's true. <laughs> yeah, and they both like one's paying an homage to the other, but they go about it totally differently. You know, it's just like a tragic accident happened where I became a fly, and now my brain is changing. Right. I need you to kill me. Well, they with did. a really interesting way, <laughs> just like presses off his arm. Yeah, they they played it off interestingly enough because it's it's like a tale of a workaholic. You know, he rarely sees his kid. He's in his basement all the time working on this thing, and he's right. on to a discovery of greatness that will change the industry forever. And yeah, exactly. So he's just 
hell bent on there. He even kills the family cat on accident. Which is so fucked Sends up. his cat molecules into space, as he quotes. Dandelion or dandelion. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. it's somewhere else. Like, it didn't die. It's just somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just... Yeah, you just hear the fucking meow. <laughs> oh god, it's I, so I just funny. picture his kitty Adams just soaring across the universe, just <laughs> never to be fucking dormant yeah. again. Uh, have you uh, guys seen the movie Doom? Like, like with the Rock? Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the little of the of the transporter they use in that movie to get to Mars. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, where like it, there's a possibility of like half of you going somewhere else and the other half ending up there, which happens to one of the doctors there. Uh, I, but anyway, yeah, that, the the whole transporting thing was was already crazy in the first one, and then it gets more fucked up in the second uh, one in the newer version when the baboon gets like turned inside out. Yeah, still <laughs> some good effects on that, but I mean, it wasn't really his fault it was his computer's fault as we find out because his computer could only do what it's programmed for and if jeff goldblum you know if he didn't program it to do exactly what computer's doing his fucking job i mean he did still test on animals though i was wondering where the fuck he was getting all these monkeys yeah really though (laughs) one of the questions of the film where are you just getting animals like this And he like talks to the other monkey. Sorry, killed your brother, man. Yeah, like fucking shit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so so for the newer film, it was directed by Cronenberg, like we've mentioned, and he's pretty Mm -hmm. much known to be using body horror in his film. But the film had a lot of pre-production work. It was originally written by Charles Edward Pogue, I think is how you say his last name. Mm. And he was taken off the project and then brought back onto the project because they didn't like the new writer. And then the director that they tried to get for the film uh, left the project because his wife and daughter got fucking murdered. And then he had to leave the the project. So they went back to Cronenberg and were like, hey, can you direct the film? And he's like, only if I get to rewrite it. So he completely rewrote the script and then still credited Pog at the end of it because he said it was such a good, solid script that he wanted to credit him as well, even though he wasn't really associated with the film after that interesting yeah so there's a lot of weird stuff that was going on during production and then of course it stars jeff goldblum who we all know from jurassic park a bunch of other films that he's been in and then it had gina davis jeff goldblum Hmm? he does a really good job in this movie too he's really young i love his character in this fucking (laughs) yeah he does a good job he plays off the fucking the the nerd that has been isolated and just focuses on his work so well He's so fucking awkward and goofy in like these first couple scenes, and it's just he's charming in a weird right. way. Well, Jeff Goldblum's always been charming, so it's just like he added that on top of the character he was supposed to be. And uh, he works off he works well off of the uh, the girl character who who's portrayed by who Gina Davis. Oh, okay, yeah, she's great. Ooh. Yeah, it was it was Gina Davis as Veronica Ronnie. Uh, Quafy? I don't know how to say her last name. But, oh, sure. but I mean, we everybody knows Gina Davis from Thelma and Louise and The Mother and Beetlejuice. So if you don't know, mm-hmm. like, specifically where Wait, she's Wait, that from. was her? Yep. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, she's the mom in Beetlejuice. They're the ones in the attic, along with whoever yes. the other guy is. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, and, then, and then it also had John Getz in it as well. So those are, like, the main three people in it. And so... 
what was cool about uh, bringing all of them onto it, there was a lot of pre-production notes about how uh, none of them were the original people that were supposed to play the character, except for Jeff Goldblum, who Cronenberg wanted. Shit. Yeah, he specifically was like, I'm going to rewrite it. I'm going to bring Jeff Goldblum. And it was a good choice. Yeah, no, he knocked it out of the park as well. And then, um, go ahead. Wait, go ahead. Well, I was good. just going to say, it won the, like we mentioned, it won the Academy Award, Award for Best Visual Effects in 1986. I got to say, the score is really nice, too. Yeah, I mean, score did a good job. it fit well for the mood and the tone that it was trying to set while you were watching it. Yeah, not something I'm going to listen to, but like while I'm watching, I was like this is actually a good score. It's yeah, it's good for for the film. It isn't like a Blade soundtrack where you can go and listen to it on its own. Did you feel like this movie was similar to a 90s movie? I mean, it was close enough. What made you like, think I, that? I don't know. There's just something about like its location and everything it was dealing with. I felt more like it was a 90s movie rather than a 80s movie. Yeah, I think it was on the cusp of when the decade was going to change and they were already using pretty advanced filming stuff. So it made sense that it would seem more like a 90s film, but it could also be the fact that we mostly knew Jeff Goldblum from the 90s. Probably that. <laughs> and so just seeing him was like, this is weird. Like, this can't be earlier than the 90s. Yeah, and he is rocking a mullet too. Man, like super hardcore mullet. <laughs> <laughs> looks good though he's ripped dude. yeah holy shit yeah you never knew that jeff goldblum was super ripped until you've seen the fly i mean he's not terrible in jurassic park yeah he does have that one shirtless scene that everyone <laughs> yeah i guess displaying his his fitness <laughs> yeah everyone just really wanted to see I mean, shirtless he's having, jeff goldblum. he's having orgies in the marvel universe as we speak that's true wait that was true wasn't that part of it that's canon yep that is canon uh, that just, do you not remember I, this Joe? i don't Joe. remember this when do they say was, this 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 is in thor ragnarok he's oh, like the guy right. that owns the entire like country and like he has a giant orgy spaceship and he finds it crashed yes. and the end credit he's just like yo so who wants to have a fucking orgy <laughs> like 30 people behind him I totally forgot about that. That's uh, he's not the collector. He's someone else. Uh, what the fuck is his name? Like the Overlord or something like that. Yeah, because because it was Benicio Thoro that was the collector. Now I think about it. Anyway, <laughs> so what what were you've mentioned some of the initial thoughts that you guys had when you first watched it, but what, what were some things that immediately stood out to you when you watched both films? Oh, he is the Grandmaster. Grandmaster, thank you. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so what, what were some standout moments? Is that what you said? Yeah, like when you first started watching, what were your initial thoughts? Did you find it like hard to watch at some points? The the 86 film, man, that movie is like graphic body horror. Really, though, it's gnarly. <laughs> you know, dude, the, the, dude, the chimp <laughs> turning itself inside out. Yeah. Was one of the craziest moments. It was just like, a, it was so fucked up. I couldn't handle that. It was pretty great. That's what I, I got to say. I, I don't know. Okay. I, for visual effects on that one, I just felt like they could have gone more. On they the... could have done more. I, I honestly thought it wasn't bloody enough. I, and that's the, <laughs> here's the thing though. 
we're coming off the heels of Ricky O and right. fucking Tetsuo the Iron Man. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm used to like this fucked up shit now. So like when I saw an ape get completely gored inside out, I was just like, they could have added more, some more chum right there. <laughs> they could have like, had some more chum. I hate that. <laughs> like, oh. That actually hate, makes me yeah. think about, do you feel like the movie isn't, as violent or we don't think it's as violent now because we're pretty desensitized to a lot of the violence that we have in film. Now yeah. I desensitize as fuck. Dude. This <laughs> thing, this movie didn't phase me at all. I was rooting for the gore and I was just like, Oh, they didn't go all the way. Fuck. Uh, whack. I like, I mean, I feel like I enjoy both the flies more for how the story plays out. I mean, on one hand, you've got the, the Francois, the fly, who's just kind of a conflicted man who's changed horribly and right. whose mind is going and he just wants to die where you have more so like the arrogant scientist in your 86 version. Yeah. Who wants to be something greater than what he is and creates this new technology with which to do so. And then inherently becomes quote unquote greater, at least in his mind until it starts to negatively affect him. And then his mind even goes. I feel like the change just takes longer in the 86 one. And yeah, you get to see it more. I agree. Whereas your 50s, 8. Whereas your 58, the fly is more, uh, I don't know, just the conflict of, you know, should man tamper with technology? Is it right? Sort of idea. Uh, I felt the same way. I felt like the 1958 version, uh, I liked the way the story played out a little more. Uh, the scientist didn't seem as cynical as he was in the ninety in the eighty six version, where at the end, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character Seth tries to get all of them together to be like, "We're gonna be one happy family," and tries to like mold them all together. Whereas in the yeah. fifty eight version, he's just like, "I need you to just like kill me. Like we can't do it." Or or he tries to heal himself first, but then when he can't do that, he's just like, "You got to do it. Like you got to kill me." Um, except for the very last bit when he's just like trying to get them to save him and they just squash both him and the spider and they're like, no one's going to believe us. Yep. So I think, Jesus. I think I like the story from I, the original one more. Hmm. I, I think they're very different. They can't be more than different. I like the fifties one because it starts off as a mystery right. and then it goes off into something more philosophical. It's and like a who just like, kind of thing. Like a very, I don't know, it's like, she even says it like, oh, you know, spaceships and fucking all these giant advancements, they're just too much for me. And then he's like, well, you don't really look at a television and get scared of it, do you? Like, that's just what all these advancements are. And looking at it nowadays, it's just like an advancement every two seconds. It's like, okay, that wasn't a thing already? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they, he was making strong commentary towards how people were feeling in... 58 about advancing technology and this is one of those science fiction bits uh that would spawn other movies kind of like invasion of the body snatchers and other body horror movies it it was very beautiful though near the end especially because like you have this man that doesn't want to be taken out on on like some flies well he wants to make it so he's in control so he's he's resisting the urge to just kill and maim so he's like just trying to like please kill me. I don't want to be like this. If you can't find the fly, then all hope is lost. I will die with my work. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, he he like destroys everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
um and the 89 or 88 which which is the newer version 86 86 right? yeah yeah 86 version it's a completely other a new, different beast i love goldblum's acting in it uh he portrays the nerd that's been doing his life's work very well i love the fact that his character wears the same five pieces of clothing all <laughs> yeah. every fucking day he says just like einstein you know you don't spend time thinking about wasting your thoughts on what you're wearing you're just wearing your clothes and doing your work it's Um, very reminiscent of like steve jobs wearing the same shit all the time he he's very charming i mean my one of my favorite scenes in the movie isn't even a scary part it's when he says so cheeseburger (laughs) it's just like (laughs) it immediately cuts to them like eating mcdonald's and it's just super brilliant i mean the pacing in this fucking movie is killer man they they pace and get going really well. The transformation into fly, slow but you know, devolving into a madness it's, basically. It's super fucking gross. Also, they did a good <laughs> job of being nasty, especially when he starts like puking on his food. Yeah, and I mean that that I mean the first thing you see the in the fifties fly was that the uh, the he also like would cover it up, but it was implied that he was puking on his food to eat it. Oh, totally. oh yes, because because he has that bag over his head and like he, uh, the wife drops down porridge and you just hear. <laughs> it's just so gross. Yeah, flies puke on their food when they eat it. Totally. Uh, I like how the they react to different elements just like flies would. They're very sensitive. They have very brittle skin. Right. Uh, the first thing we see from the fly in the fifties version is his claw. Yeah, it's just great. <laughs> And then, yeah then that 20 pound fucking head dude it's it's pretty good the guy I, who made it was very proud of making that costume even though the actor was like this is awful it's just one of those things over uh fashion over functionality yeah right exactly um so that actually kind of gets into how was the how were both films really like horror films and what kind of things did it get into? There was the body horror aspect, the transformation, maybe fear of some creatures or insects. And then we also talked about possibly the fear of advancing technology and like all of its effects. Uh, it's it's like a mystery horror for the 1950s. You know, you're discovering how this shit happened. You're thinking, I mean, everyone in the story believes that the wife killed it, killed her husband. And, it, and all signs point to yes. So, like, there is a part where you're just like, well, let's see what actually happened to the professor. And it, it, it devolves into that body horror just seeing the fly for the first time. It's like the last 15 minutes of the movie. Just seeing him go. It just, you know, it's supposed to shock you, but at the same time talk about the advancements and scariness of technology around the 50s. People didn't want to trust the microwave. They didn't want to trust the TV. They didn't want to trust all this new and brand new stuff because i mean what is it about humans we are fearful of the unknown that's why hp lovecraft is such a (laughs) fucking blockbuster novelist till he died so i mean it's just it shows a lot of fears for the time but nowadays it's just sci-fi horror campy horror oh yeah definitely what about you mitch what do you think Mm, i mean that's like the 50s had more of the the fear of technology thing and the 80s movie kind of did it too i mean i mean 
Yeah, you've got your... I mean, what makes it horror is... I mean, first of all, the body horror in the 80s one is unmistakable. Melding, like, metal with flesh, like, in the very yeah. ending. Or, you know, the fear of being turned inside out. And what that might look like on a creature. Right. The fear of um, just your body changing without your control over it. Like, a fear of lack of control, too, when all you really want is control. This... It was pretty incredible seeing the transformation with Jeff Goldblum. His face yeah. starts getting disgusting with acne. <laughs> I mean, he's he has pus coming out of his fingers, as you see when he's arm wrestling and breaks that dude's arm. Yo, that was uh, wild. <laughs> yeah, that was that was nuts. I mean, the fact that he could do so many fucking cool stunts, like the flips, the fucking, the, uh, just like the amount of human strength—not even human strength, but fly strength—he gains yeah. in one night. So this is what kind of got me about it too. Was I usually don't question the science too much on these because you kind of have to suspend that disbelief, but. Why the fuck is it a fly? And why is he getting super strength out of it? Yeah, why not grow wings? Yeah, like what? Yeah, well, he can climb on the wall, so he gets Superman power. I mean, Spider-Man power. Right. That Spider-Man makes sense because flies can definitely land on shit and like crawl yeah. up walls and stuff. But it didn't make sense that he would get super strong. And then like getting super strong right before the transformation starts is also kind of weird. It was like I almost feel like they did it to insert uh like. Uh, sexual scenes between him and and uh, the female character in the story um, Mm -hmm. with fucking Gina Davis and it was just like why did they decide to do something like that why a fly (laughs) Uh, yeah exactly (laughs) well I mean flies flies like to get down they fucking do they fucking (laughs) fuck like crazy so I would imagine that's why he gets so like invigorated sexually because flies be horny as fuck I mean, he was saying, like, like the girl was saying, you know, we've been at it for hours. And he's like, I could still keep going. Come on. Uh, well, yeah. she it was, was... Like, <laughs> she was running out of juice is what she said. That's hilarious. That's a hilarious line. And it also, it, did, it does also have her with a scary dream where she dreams that she gives birth to, like, a giant larva, which is terrifying. Yeah, that was pretty gnarly. It was just a that, maggot. That was the only thing that fucked me up. Yeah, that, that was that was fucked up. Yeah, this ah! entire movie, I was like, "This gore is whatevs." It's, yeah, it's whatevs. Good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, really fu- it's really good, but I'm fucking desensitized to it now. Okay, don't get me wrong, audience, this gore is fucking good. It's some great ass effects, but that maggot scene—that's the one that made me fucking. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was wrong. It well, was it wrong. got into the idea that if she was to have sex with him in that state, that the baby could possibly be mutated or or a hybrid as well. And yep. so it Hybrid really got into my child. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh God, that's, that's getting onto a whole new level fucked up that some horror films have gotten into. Uh, it was Oof. like, have you guys seen um, splice? No, I have not seen that one. God, this is a fucked up movie. So uh, we should actually do it for the podcast. Cause it's so fucked up. But the, this movie is about how they splice DNA from a certain animal uh, with a human. Mm-hmm. And the product it appears to be uh, a hybrid of like a woman and some sort of animal. And the scientist who makes her ends up fucking her at some point, and it's so messed up. Damn. 
Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, it would be another crazy one would be Deus Ex Machina. Yes, that's a good. Uh, that's another. Yeah. That, I think that would be good to do alongside Splice. Yep. Mad, yeah. another mad scientist. Anyway, so <laughs> without going too much on a tangent, but there's an idea for another episode. Right. That sounds disgusting, and I'm about it. And I'm about it. Yeah. Uh, did you guys ever uh, read the story, The Metamorphosis by, by Kafka? Of course. Yeah. That's so, a meme, dude. This is this is <laughs> nice. This is what it reminded me of because of because in that one he gets turned into like a giant bug basically. Yeah. And so it was just like they had similar things, but it could be a little bit of a stretch because the story isn't interpreted the same in literature as as the film is interpreted. Yeah. Just like neither of these movies really interpret their ideals the same way. Right. Exactly. They really don't. One is more. One I felt they just threw more sex into it, right? <laughs> and kind of like and like had like a and actually had a transformation scene, rather yeah. than the other one that had that spent a lot of time setting it up. Oh yeah, totally. A lot of time setting it up in your fifties one, this... whereas whereas your eighties just kind of gets right to it. Like immediately you meet the scientist, you meet the reporter, boom, they're talking to each other. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, they they yeah. definitely didn't waste any time with that. <laughs> they wanted to. I think both of them have pretty well established characters. I gotta say, for the way it was written and all the things that are important with the storyline, I didn't feel like the characters were weak at all. They were pretty no. fleshed out. You get to see like who they are, really what their morals are for most of the story, and how mm-hmm. they kind of respond to each other by the end of it. And then it ends up being, like we mentioned before, a pretty strong tragedy. And it makes me think, does this story follow the hero's journey that we've mentioned before, but in its own sort of twisted version? I mean, the I mean, I don't know if it follows. Does the hero's journey end in failure? Uh, it no. can. All right. It can. Well, it, it does. <laughs> but in normally, this case. no. In this case, they both they both end in failure. Right. Well, it's what made me think it's like a Greek tragedy where it's like you mm-hmm. have you have this uh, person who is an idealist wanting to better the world in some way and then because of his own work he ends up not doing that and then everyone else either doesn't know about it or they don't tell anybody because they don't think anyone will believe them yeah that's that's exactly how this plays out (laughs) it's a lot like that just you know oh uh, the gift that i wanted to give affected me poorly and now i am doomed right exactly yeah uh there's also the idea that the transformation could be sort of stages of grief of psychological grief that people go through and how it starts to deteriorate you um and in some cases it's so extreme that it starts affecting the way your body is like when people are depressed and their health is declining as well that's a pretty good analysis actually i never thought about that way that's that's a really interesting way so so you're viewing all of the stages of transformation as different displays of grief like how his eyes get really baggy he looks like he looks more pale yeah i mean it was originally meant to represent aging uh, at least that's what they described it as in the 80s film and some other notes. But it can also be a lot of transformation as far as like what's going to happen to your body once you get older, once you're sick, uh, any other illness that people kind of don't like to see. Like uh, as much as people care about people who are ill or people who have gotten cancer, it's hard to be around people who have those illnesses. And so in this case, you have a real representation of that with the body horror and wow. how extreme it gets. You just wrinkled my brain. <laughs> wow, I never, I didn't even think that about this movie. I, I love the fly. Like I like both of these versions a lot for different reasons. 
Um, and I've wa- I've probably watched the 86 fly like plenty of times Same. in the last couple years. Like I'll just like sit down and like I'm watching the fly today. Fuck it. It's great. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I never thought about it as deeply as it's a representation of how like life altering diseases affect our views of people. <laughs> yeah. well, like They even uh, like relate to that. They're like, oh, I think it's like some sort of disease. I don't know if it's contagious. Right. Yeah. Like, no, that's a really good read of that, to be honest. It's, uh, yep. <laughs> I mean, especially now with, you know, him isolating himself in his fucking thing, just not trying to leave, just not trying to have people figure this shit out. Right. He, Wait, I mean, or stop. It's, this is too real. Oh, it's geez. almost exactly like what's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're all Are isolated. We're all flies. We're all flies. Exactly. We're all flies. It's like, no, they just quarantined us because they need to recharge all of the bird batteries. That's yep. true. The birds are coming back Shut for up, us. Stop. We have to ask them. Hear us. <laughs> right, yeah, the government will hear us and knock on our door soon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shit. So, yeah. Uh, God, it's so, crazy doing this from the here. I, did I don't have... know about you. I'm in Singapore. <laughs> You're... Yeah, uh-huh. You guys are... I, had... I really had a question, though, about the science and like the ethics of it, like they are sort of crossing lines with uh, transporting stuff, possibly blending together DNA and mixing humans and animals, as well as the possibility that you're testing on animals and killing them. So was this possibly some commentary on the way scientists do their work and some ethics that they have to follow? Uh, to animal testing is never fucking cool. Yeah, so... It was... And it's, it's like... Scientists will always do it, though, because it's super cheap and super easy. I mean, you have mice tests every day. Totally. You have chimp tests every day. And the thing is, like, even the girl, uh, the wife in the first movie says, you have to promise me you will never test on a sub uh, animal subject again. Right. And it's not... I mean, I think that was the only commentary there was. He's like, I promise, just make sure to, like, keep this guinea pig healthy, and I won't have to. If it works, it works. You know, it was a one-time shot for him. But for in the 86 version, she doesn't care. She's like, yeah, put that fucking monkey in there. Let's yeah. see if it works. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was like, yeah, what is yeah. going on? Yeah, that, that's a funny distinction to make that I did also didn't notice was how, like, oh, my gosh, we couldn't hurt. Oh, Dandelo. We'll put you in this like in this microwave and have you get sent over there. In That's fine, but he knows that it's wrong. Whereas the monkeys just being tested, just fuck it, put the monkey in there. Who gives a shit? Well, <laughs> at that point, they had pretty much established testing on monkeys in like film science, like that weird like pseudoscience kind of shit. Where yeah, exactly, they were okay with that. So putting into the film, no one really batted an eye at something like that. Sorry, it's a bam, it's a bamboo. Or uh, sorry, a, a baboon. A baboon. But uh, that's another reason why I thought this was a fucking 90s movie. It has a monkey in it. Uh, yep. Yep. That's fair. You <laughs> Damn, have like other yeah. films. <laughs> Literally, there's. <laughs> there's I'm learning so, so much today. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every realize. 90s film had a monkey in it. And if you didn't think it had a monkey in it, look again. It had a fucking monkey in it. Wait, which one? Every movie in uh, the 90s. Oh, in the 90s? Right. It's somewhere yeah. in the background. <laughs> <laughs> this was the one that inspired all those ones because it was in 86. Well, yep. I mean, you had yep. movies like, what is it, Contagion, I think, is the one where they get a disease straight from a monkey that, like, almost kills the, wor- the world. And it's, yeah. well, it's, it's it's not cool that it's popular on Netflix because people are 
uh, cynical like that and are just like nihilistic and wanting to watch Contagion on Netflix. But it's like that movie had it and a few others. I can't remember what it was called. It was like uh, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Well, I mean, that one was different, <laughs> but it <laughs> it's not the same shit. It's not like horror. It was just like a sci-fi thriller. Yeah, I feel it. But, but then know. again, I mean, it gets, uh, it's not really, yeah, it's not, it's not horrific, but like there are some parts of that movie where it's like, oh, this is actually a very serious disease. Wow. <laughs> well, it's not, I thought they just evolved. It wasn't like a mutation or anything. Yeah. Yeah. They just evolved. The, the apes just outlived the humans by yeah, making a fucking yeah. disease that killed humans. Oh, that's right. Shit. I forgot about that part. Anyway. So. <laughs> back onto the flies uh so towards the end of it they are choosing what to do about the truth like the scientist in the first one doesn't want anyone to know about it destroys everything tells his wife to kill him and the second one he's trying to get all of them blended together and then he gets foiled and i don't think they're gonna tell anyone after that because she literally like blows his head off so it's like why did they choose to do that for the endings like kind of hide the fact that these things were happening yeah, I mean, but in one, it's it depends on who's making the choice here. That's true. Because the doctor makes the choice. I mean, not the doctor. The scientist makes the choice in the '50s version, and says, "Kill me. My work must all go with me too." Yeah. Boom. And the other one, he's obsessed with trying to fix the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this could never have happened to him. He knows too much. Oh, this totally. Is ridiculous. It's not fair to be tapping to him, so everyone else has to suffer too. Uh, that's how I felt about it too. What do you think, Mer? So in the fifties version, they wanted to end it off like, you know what? I actually, I, I really like it because it's with the police marshal. You know, he's like, by God, I've seen it. As God is my witness, I have, I have seen it, and it is the truth. He is so completely flabbergasted, is the word, to the idea that this woman's entire testimony was true. He looks at the spider and the fly and it's screaming help me help me to yeah. him this is earth shattering for him because he he just thought the chick was a nut yeah but now yeah you, now you're del you're delving it's a god-fearing man now seeing <laughs> the powers of someone who could wield powers like god and then having his whole reality shattered in front of him at this point he's just like he couldn't take it no more he threw the rock he threw the rock and he ended it because I mean, his, it's his consciousness just expanding right there and just destroying him. It, it is utterly <laughs> ruining him right there. That's so, a good read on that. Um, that's, I mean, the thing is, I mean, even even the, the wife in the story, she says, it's like you're playing with the powers of God. And, yep. I mean, it's, it has to re this has to relate to fucking Jeff Goldblum in some way because he goes into the Jurassic Park just being like, you're, you're playing with powers you do not control. You're playing God, man. You can't just do that, you know? And... That's what I was thinking, because, like, Jurassic Park had that entire thing with Jeff Goldblum's character just saying the same exact stuff. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't tamper with nature. Nature always finds a way. Um, in the 86 version, I just... It it says a lot more about the the strives of, of personal people. How far are people willing to bend the law themselves and each other to get what their personal gain is, whether it be fame, fortune, a book, a, pri a Nobel Peace Prize, something to gratify them and put them on a higher pedestal. Uh, the 
ending where the f- giant fly is melded with uh, flesh and machine, meat and <laughs> metal. It's super disgusting and, and super crazy, but he had a glimpse of hope to change back to human uh, when he was trying to, you know, swap all three of them into a being, but he lost that, and the symbology of him being fused with the metal and the meat, it's just... It's crazy. He doesn't even want to work anymore. The The metal has completely consumed him along with the, the, uh, the flesh itself. I mean, his... His work consumed him is what is the metal symbol uh, symbolizes. Changed him as a person completely. Ruined his entire relationship with this girl. Completely changed him as a person. Made him dissolve into a giant fly that is now grabbing the gun and forcing it to his head because he cannot. <laughs> he could no longer stand the world that he has created for himself for his strive of personal gain. Yep, fucking yes. <laughs> that is a good. Yeah, that's that's a that's really a, good read and all of that exactly. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I that's basically how I see it. Oh jeez, I went off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. That's exactly what that's... I asked you. <laughs> uh, th- so that's a really good interpretation because uh, each one decided to go through the transformation and what happens to the main character in a different way, even though it was taking from the same source material. So yeah, to be able exactly. to see those uh, storylines play out is really cool. And it's why people like both versions and they're thought of as like a collective as opposed to one versus the other. And so in this case, people really like the original for the 50s style that it was filmed in and the ideals that appealed to the people of the time, as well as the 86 version, which is made for an, an 80s audience that was wanting to see the grotesque. They wanted to see Jeff Goldblum. They wanted to see sex and they also wanted to see some body horror. So they fit in really well for the time period they're made. And they're both really well-made films and highly uh, rate it when it comes to the criticisms. People really like these films. Yeah, I really like both of these films uh, uh, for different reasons. Are we are, yeah. are we asking what we would rate these films? Not yet. So, <laughs> so now this leads me right into what are your favorite scenes? There's got to be some favorites in either one. Damn, I I would say my favorite is like the final transformation scene, where the whole head just like explodes off of the well. <laughs> doesn't really explode but it just like breaks falls through. off just like all the sloughing flesh off of the like final bug form doesn't he lose the his scene? jaw too that's in the 86 one what's up doesn't he like lose his jaw too yeah she like pushes him off of him and like throws his jaw off and that's when <laughs> his whole head like starts splitting open and stuff yeah and it's crazy in the 86 one man there's all the craziness i think my favorite scene in the 50s one though was when he's doing all the chalk drawing. He's trying to communicate with the chalk. Oh, yeah, yeah. He starts yeah. Like, getting all wiggly. I liked that part. Those are my favorites. And puking on donuts. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. It's like, this, right. is how, this is how Brundlefly eats. I like Blah. that he named himself Brundlefly. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a yeah, self-giving he's, he's nickname. He's his own species. Um, for me, I like... The larva scene a lot. It really God, gave me that was jitter. So um, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. That transition <laughs> yeah. was yeah. fun. Yeah, I just really like that. And then of course the leg and the hand where he like the guy is trying to kick over his shotgun. Guy just grabs his whole ankle and just fucking acid fucking spits it off completely Ooh. in half. 
I was like, yo. <laughs> and then in the 50s version, I like the subtlety of the claw. Like, she barely sees it, and she f- screams, and it's the poster. It's the shot for the poster uh, with that scream. And you see him try to hide it in his trench coat. Like, nope, that's not a claw. Nope, nope. <laughs> oh, dang. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's, you're completely right. Yeah. So that that was it for me. Um, I also like when the fucking the guy from the police is just like having an existential breakdown from what he witnessed. Just like, <laughs> I'm a God-fearing man. Yeah, yeah. And I witnessed that. And I have murdered just as the woman has murdered. And I was like, oh, totally. it's hitting him, hitting him hard. Yeah, is you got to see. the 50s one with the cop? Yeah. The yeah. 50s one. Yeah, you get to see right. him fall apart. Moral conundrums. That's good. That's right. I remember that now. Oh my gosh. What about you, John? What, what were some of your favorite parts? Yeah. Um, the the baby larva was fucked up. Uh, I think it's just oh, because, like, personally, uh, I don't do well with scenes that have to do with like a fucked up childbirth or, uh, like some woman possibly getting this crazy creature inserted into her and then like having it break out like in some ways the alien like xenomorph style of what the way they like breed new aliens is like terrifying to me but it's also like who knows that might be some underlying fear of just like <laughs> children in general so i'm just like i don't know how i feel about it. it it fucked me up though i was like this is a terrible scene and then um the melting of limbs off was like for some reason it seemed really graphic to me. I was like, Oh fucking shit. Like it isn't getting torn off. It's not getting cut off. Like the it's being burned through by acid. Yeah. And that's just like I, a slower process. It's excruciating. And like, also you can see that. it on his face. It's just, he's screaming. And then he's just in so much pain when he does the leg. He's just, he can't even fathom. He's just, he's just going. <laughs> right. All right, then what would you guys rate these films? Ooh. I'd say a 7.5 for the 50s version and 8 for the, the 86 version. Okay. Actually, wait, no. I'll just say 8's all around. 8's <laughs> all around. Damn. Uh, after all, much consideration. I feel I feel like these are both B movies also. <laughs> I'm just going to agree with Murr on this one because I don't really want to give, I really like the fifties one for being original. Right. You know, for being its own thing at the time, but also like you got to love the special effects and some of the acting in 86. So I'm going to give them both eights also. <laughs> uh, I would probably give them like 7.5 to 8 so probably much in agreement with you guys but the reason why i would lower it is because i feel like the characters could have been given more reasons for why they did things and i'm referring specifically to like the wife and the female character in the in the 86 version who i felt like didn't do much outside of supporting the main character so I yeah. feel like writing for them was kind of weak and they could have made them better characters that were more dynamic. And True. in doing that would have made the tragedy of this character like dying even more horrible because they had formed that relationship or already had it with the husband and wife. So that's why I liked the 50s version a little more because they obviously cared about each other as well as like caring about animals, which was 
really progressive, I think, for like a 50s movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, even though it did have its moments where it was like women, right? And you're like, oh, I forgot this is this is a 50s. Yeah, so it's like (laughs) that's why I would give it sort of a a lower rating, but not because of its own fault, just because it's rough to watch (laughs) in 2020. It is rough to watch. In tune with uh, what it is, this is one of those 1950s like gold S tier fucking B B movies, right? So. Well, it should be noted that it's only considered a B-list movie because of like the way it was shot at its time. This was made by a big studio and was considered like mainstream media. Yeah. So it's like both of them were kind of the same. They weren't like they gained a cult status though. So I, even though they were main studio movies like made by RKO and I think what was it? Uh, Universal. Universal or Fox, I think, for the. Oh yeah, Fox. Fox. And so it was like these are really well known studios, and so they uh, kind of surpassed that status and then dropped into the B status and the cult status afterwards because people love mm. the grotesque body horror that you get in those films, and it's one of the few that kind of explores that. There isn't too many body horror films still. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I'd say what would you? No, that's. I know that upgrade was a body horror movie yeah but it it didn't hit me as a horror movie it was like no it was like an action revenge movie science sci-fi action revenge movie that one was fucking dope though you got people shooting guns out of their arms (laughs) they like installed like a gun in their arm that's crazy yeah you see the guy just loading shells into his fucking into his forearm is yeah his forearm And then, sh- sh- like, sh- like actually does the motion. <laughs> yeah, go watch we, Upgrade. <laughs> yeah, we, we need more body horror, man. Oh, man. Well, you know, it's opportunity for people to <laughs> make films like that. I think we're, I think people are afraid to get into that genre. They don't want to disturb people as much. And, uh, they, but the thing is, is I think they're, they would get backlash. Like, people, people turned away from films like Saw, where it was made purely to see how, like grotesque they could get and killing people and the violence and there was no story to it so people feel like the more violent it is the less story it's going to have involved it's funny that you mentioned that because they're the same director yeah right exactly but i I will say both the flies good stuff yeah i agree did you guys have any final thoughts hmm not, not really, no. Not on this one, other than other than stay safe out there. Yeah. Uh, if you like really fucked up Japanese movies, go listen to Machine Girl. <laughs> that new album's a banger, and oh, I'm okay. listening to it while I'm in isolation. All right. Is there a vinyl of it? <sighs> not yet. <laughs> but you can buy it on Bandcamp. All right, all right. So before I let everybody go... I want to let you guys know that we're super easy to find on all of the streaming services. So we're on all of the main ones. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. We are also available on a bunch of other streaming sites, so pretty much wherever you find them. We are also on our social media sites. So you can find us at Instagram, um, Twitter, as well as Facebook at BDTGH underscore podcast. Um, you can also go to our website, which is bdtghpodcast.com. You can listen to the episodes there on the site or follow the streaming uh, links to another place. But 
Thanks so much for supporting us. And if you could, please leave a review on the Apple podcast. It helps us be seen by a wider audience, and it also gives us a good rating. Um, but thank you so much for coming out to talk with us about this. I hope everyone has a good night. We didn't, John, we didn't come out anywhere. Wait. Thanks for signing that. in. I have to redo that. <laughs> Not the whole thing, but I'm just going to. No, no, just, just, just that part. There. Just that part. Just be in here. Right. Yeah. Well, you got it. Thanks for thanks for joining me on this You're video welcome. on this video chat. <laughs> this video chat. <laughs> this audio Skype chat that we did. It's pretty cool. We figured out a way to record the podcast remotely and talk about these two weird body horror films with me. And I hope everyone Woo. has a good night. All right. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you.